Before I get to my next guest, Paul Tesori, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Adele Golf. Have you been custom fit for your putter or even for your wedges? Adele Golf is the industry leader in scoring club fitting. Their putter fitting system is the most complete putter fitting system in golf. The EAS line of putters can get your putting dialed in. Also check out their swing match system wedges with weight adjustability to make sure your wedges are truly fit to your swing. Go to AdeleGolf.com and schedule your fitting today. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares Toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee, and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Okay, now next on the tee with me is PGA Tour caddy Paul Tesori. Let me give you some background on Paul. He's from Ponte Vedra, Florida, played his college golf first at Central Alabama Community College and then at the University of Florida. He was a part of Florida's 1992-93 National Championship team. In 93-94, he was the number one player on the team. He helped them to win their second consecutive SEC championship plus wins at the Gator Invitational and the Puerto Rico Classic. He placed tied for 13th in the national championship in 1994. His four-round total of 285, three under par, is one of the best scores in relation to par in Florida history. And that season, Paul was named All-American in first-team SEC. He turned pro and made it through Q School in his very first attempt in 1996, and he played on tour from 1997 to 1999. From there, Paul turned his attention to being a caddy and has been caddying out on tour for about the last 20 years. He's been on the bag for VJ Singh, Jerry Kelly, Sean O'Hare, and now Webb Simpson. And I'm very excited he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, what a pleasure to be on the uh, on the call. And if you don't mind, can you run back through all of that again? I relived some good memories with you as you were doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Sometimes. <laughs> I like that very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Paul, let's go back and start at the beginning. When did the game of golf become a, a you know kind of a big thing for you? When did you fall in love with the game? Yeah, so I was pretty young when it happened. Um, I grew up here in St. Augustine, Florida. My grandfather was a starter up at Ponte Vedra Inn and Club. My dad played golf as well. Both were good players, both were scratch. Um, and so when I was five years old, you know, my dad, in order to go play golf on the weekends, he needed to take the little guy with him. And so I would just ride around with him. And uh, by the time I turned seven, it was time for me to start playing. I picked up the clubs cross-handed, and I was waiting. I was, you know, away I went. Um, pretty much fell in love with the game right away. Um, was pretty good. As I got a little older. My grandfather said, I'm not taking any more tournaments, so you switched that grip. And so immediately I went from cross-handed to regular, and the game got better kind of quick. Um, all the way up to, you know, when I went to, uh, to high school, there was kind of two sports that I had shown some promise at, and that was baseball and golf. And, uh, for me, uh, you know, my dad sat down and said, Hey son, you know, it, 
if we really want to look at, at college scholarships and everything else, you're going to need to pick one. I said, all right, Dad, I'll pray about it, just see what happens. I prayed about it, had a game the next day, got hit in the head with a fastball, came home and said, Dad, I want to play golf. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so that was, a, <laughs> that was a very quick decision for me. Uh, it was one of those things that you know, I tried to be tough and get back in the box the next time they say, you know, after you get hit, especially in the head, to dive back in deeper. And my next three swings, I was all falling away from them, and uh, it wasn't a very hard decision after that one. So I decided to start focusing on golf pretty much, um, only golf at 16, which would have been going into my junior year of high school, and, and that was kind of it. Paul, I read that your dad is a graduate of Florida State. How did you break the news to him that, hey, Dad, guess what? I'm going to go be a Gator. Man, you know, I, I think he thought it was a joke at first. So I grew up, everyone in my family had graduated from Florida State. Um, and I grew up the biggest Seminole fan you've ever seen, hiding behind couches, watching some missed extra points, losing to Miami each year by one. And, you know, back then uh, there was no other chance. If you lost, you know, one game early on in the year, it seemed to be, all she wrote back in those days. And so just lived through all those uh, close calls with Bobby Bowden and, and Florida State. And, you know, I grew up hating the Hurricanes and the Gators. That, those were the two teams that you just, under no circumstances, were you ever rooting for them. And so uh, when I got out of high school, um, you know, we didn't really have the finances to be able to travel the country and play a lot of amateur golf. I was a good player. Um, I had won the Bat School Classic here, shooting 130 over two days. Um, and was a good player, but just, you know, no real notoriety. So I went to a junior college, um, in central Alabama, Alexander City, and it was the greatest decision I had made at the time. Um, played a ton of golf, um, played well, second ranked, uh, junior college player coming out of junior college. So when I had a opportunity, I went to as many places as I could. And at the time, Florida State did not have a strong golf program. Uh, Florida did. And I only went on the recruiting visit. To be honest with you, we used to get paid by the NCAA per mile, and I had dad shell gas cards. So for me, every time <laughs> I went on a recruiting visit, um, all my boys at Central Alabama, you know, we would all have free beer for two weeks. And so we were good to go. They would just send me on, all right, Paulie, go do your thing and come on back. I really only went on that recruiting visit, to be honest with you, just probably for the money. So we could afford to have, you know, maybe a little extra food for the week, a little extra groceries and a couple extra beers. And, when I left um, Florida on that recruiting visit, uh, Chris Couch was there. Brian Gay was there. Obviously, Coach Buddy Alexander was there. I remember leaving, and I'm like, whoa, that was different. I had been to Auburn on a recruiting visit, and they had a good team at the time. Uh, obviously, Florida State. Um, I had been to a couple other ones as well, and I left there. I was like, that was different. And so I called Dad, and he goes, hey, son, how did it go? I was like, well. I don't have a full ride there. I had a full ride everywhere else. I only had a 75% scholarship. I was like, Dad, like this place is different. Um, everything about it is different. The competition is different. The way they act is different. Um, it just seems like a, cha a, cha a championship atmosphere. And me and Chris Couch had gone head-to-head -head in a lot of events, and I had played with Brian Gay in the last round of the Future Masters that year. And so I knew uh, the guys that were there. They seemed to be loose, but, you know, very serious about golf and I said this might be the right answer and my dad just being typical him he's like son you go play wherever you you know think is the best for you um and yeah that was kind of it and then lo and behold the first year I go to Florida who wins the national championship in football Florida State Warwick Dunn caught an 82 yard touchdown around the left side against Florida at Florida field 
in my first year of being a, an anti-Noel, uh, they win the national championship. So that's kind of my little Gator, uh, Seminole to Gator story. <laughs> you mentioned Buddy Alexander. He's one of the all-time great college golf coaches. Talk about what it was like to play for him. Yeah, you know, I think I, I have kind of Buddy 1.0, Buddy 2.0. I had come in as a junior college transfer. I was expected to start and do well right away. Um, we always, the way they kind of did things back then, but the first qualifier, everybody tees it up for 10 rounds. And the top five scores, you're going to the preview, which is just where you play, where the national champion is going to be held later that year. I won the qualifier. I think I was 14 under. Um, I won the qualifier, and everything was good to go. And I went to the first golf tournament, and I really struggled um, at the preview. I think I shot three rounds in the mid-70s, finished back in the pack, last on the team, and came back, and my confidence was down a little bit. And, you know, Buddy was a guy he never really wanted to mince words. I look back on it now, it was exactly what I needed. But when you're kind of young and cocky, arrogant, and all that, you don't want to hear kind of hard truth. And Buddy gave me hard truth. And so the rest of that year was a big struggle. I I only played in four events. Um, I did have three top tens in those four events. But I just had a hard time supplanting myself. Um, Eventually, I went to SECs and regionals as a backup. Brian Gay got hurt one of them. Guy Hill got hurt in the other one. And then... I was at the national championship um, as well, but did not play. Um, we had guys, you know, that were hurt. and I had guys kind of fight on my behalf, but then they ended up winning the national championship. And I never, I'll never forget this feeling. Like, I was excited for the boys, but I was also down at the same time. I'm like, I know I'm good enough to play at this level. And I kind of had to look back on the year. And, and our little kind of postseason meeting, Buddy and I, we, we had a rough one. It was not good. And I remember being so angry that I stood up and I said, I tell you what, I'll come back and walk on next year and I'll show you how good I am. And again, arrogant, uh, cocky, young, stupidity. Uh, and I left and I thought I was going to go play for coach Brooks over at UNF and I went home and talked to my dad. My dad said, no, he goes, if, if you're still on that team, that's where you're going to go back and play. You don't just quit because, you know, some of your scholarships been taken away or because things weren't easy. And I just went back to kind of prove everybody wrong the next year and, um, long, long story short, I got 10 top tens my senior year, uh, played great. Uh, you know, we won regionals, we won SEC championships and ended up finishing third to Stanford, um, in the NCAAs to try to go back to back. But, uh, I just, I'll never forget the experience and all the growth that I had from year to year. And even to this day, I consider Buddy not only a friend, but just one of those people that came around in my life that shaped who I ended up becoming. Uh, I needed a lot of that kind of hard love, hard truth that he gave me, and I had the utmost respect for him. And like I said, still consider him a friend today. Paul, I read that after your senior season, you actually stayed in Gainesville for a couple of more years to sharpen your game and make a run at Q School. Talk about what you did over those two years to get prepared. Yeah, so I stayed for one full year. Um, I wanted to get my degree. Um, I was pretty honest with myself. Uh, I People said I, I needed to probably have more confidence. I, I just considered myself a realist. You know, when you're on, we had seven guys on that team, the team of five. We had seven guys play either Corn Ferry or PGA Tour. So that will show you the depth of talent that was on that team. Our qualifiers were beastly. Um, just trying to get a spot to play on the team, you had to beat guys that would be starting anywhere else. And so, you know, I just knew that I needed to get my degree. Uh, I wanted to do it in you know, commercial management one day to be a GM at a golf club somewhere. And so I wanted to make sure I got that done. 
So I stayed for a year, and then that next semester, you had to do an internship somewhere. And this was kind of where my career took a little change. I always thought that, you know, I'd love to get in the program one day, become a head golf professional, eventually become a GM. And I remember that first semester when I was a GM down at Marsh Creek Country Club in St. Augustine, Florida. They brought me as an intern, and, you know, you learn everything as an intern. Obviously, you're running the shop, you're running inventory, you go outside, you do, out, you do carts. And I'll never forget being so tired after these 80-hour work weeks and asking the other guys who are assistant golf professionals there how much they were making. And when they told me, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm not going to make 25 grand and work 80 hours a week. Like, that's not possible at the time. So I immediately started practicing and playing. And so the reason why I decided to make a full run at it was because of how hard that job was. I was fortunate enough um, that, you know, first try through Q school, I'd started playing a little bit before. Um, I was in good form going in. I got through all three stages and got out on tour, and that had been for the 97 season. Around that time, you and Vijay Singh became friends. Talk about that and the influence he had on you and your game. Yeah. So, you know, I was one of the very – so back then, contracts looked very different. Tiger had just finished his first, like, quarter of a year. I think he played eight to ten events that very first year. He won twice, but his little boom hadn't quite happened yet. 97 was his first full season on tour, and it was my first full season. And so my contract with Ping at the time was $10,000. Um, and travel was still expensive. I didn't have any money, and I started not playing well. I had a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum that I tried to play through. I didn't really know a whole lot about medical exemptions and all that, and kind of back in that, in those days, you just tried to play through pain. Uh, it wasn't as much, you know, kind of common knowledge about the things that you could do to get healthy now. I didn't know, so as I tried to play through the pain, my left shoulder would pop and would be painful. I eventually got the swing yip. Uh, so after 10 events, um, I decided to shut it down, had rotator cuff and, and labrum surgery, and that had been in 97. And when I did, I started healing. I would just go out to TPC, and I would chip. I would putt. I would do all the things I was allowed to do. I couldn't really hit balls. Obviously, DJ being out there, him and David Duvall, who I grew up playing against, we would just have a lot of short game competitions in the back. And I think DJ saw how, how hard I worked and how much I loved the game. Quickly, we became friends. Uh, we would go to lunch together. Uh, we would talk about just kind of life and golf and all of that. And when I came back in 99, uh, healthy and go back, I was completely broke. I was working full time as a teacher up in Uly, Florida. And, you know, VJ would, he would help me out. He'd be like, all right, this week you're not allowed to play golf. Um, you're practicing with me every day. We'll pay you a hundred dollars a day. And that was a lot of money for me at the time. And so, yep, I would do it. Uh, I would do my five days. And you know, we would hit balls together, lots of wedge competitions, lots of chipping and putting, um, gambling in between. And then, you know, he would go do his thing. I'd go do mine, and we would meet back up. So VJ became a friend but also a mentor. VJ was always great with young guys, especially young guys that were hungry, uh, not just hungry for golf, but maybe uh, a little hungry too, struggling uh, financially. And he would always help those guys out. Those were things that, you know, people never got to hear about him. But obviously when I was going through that, I had no idea that, one day he would ask me to go work for him, and that would kind of change the trajectory of the rest of my career. Yeah, that's an interesting story. I read how you became VJ's caddy back in 2009 after he had won his second Masters. He asked you for some swing advice, which ended up kind of being a job audition. Talk about how all that unfolded. Yeah, so um, so in 2000, I went to school in 1999. Um, I didn't play well again, missed in second stage. 
I just decided right then I was done playing. Um, the joy had left. I was still kind of struggling with the swing yips at the time. I would play well in practice, shoot, you know, 62, 63, 65. And I would tee it up at a tournament. It was hard for me just to shoot under par. And so I had to be, you know, kind of honest with that. I was teaching at the time. And one day, uh, the phone rang. It was Beach. He said, Hey, Polly, uh, just been struggling with the game a little bit. You mind coming out? Let's have a little practice session and maybe you can take a look. So I did. Went out. We had a little practice session together. I, I mentioned two things in his golf swing that I thought, you know, were a little bit out of whack for him. We talked about it. He goes, Hey, in two weeks, uh, you know, I've got a week. I, I'd like to use you. You want a caddy for a week? And at the time I was making 20 grand a year teaching full time. And I'm like, heck yes. I, you know, I'd love that. He was ranked, I think 18th in the world at the time. Like you said, he had won the Masters earlier that year. Um, and so we went to Flint, Michigan, finished top 10. At the end of that week, he asked me to go to the PGA as his teacher. And it just so happened the PGA that year was at Valhalla. Um, and he got paired with Jack Nicholas for his last PGA and Tiger Woods, who was going for, um, would that have been major number three in a row at the time? That would have been, yes, three in a row, uh, cause BJ had won the Masters that same year. And so you can imagine the crowd, uh, each, each day. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. You got Tiger Woods going for three in a row, Jack Nicholas playing his last PGA, and then BJ, who obviously was a very recognizable figure at the time, had won the Masters that year. It was unlike anything I had ever been a part of. BJ struggled, um, you know, missed the cut, and that Friday night he asked me if I wanted to come work for him full time. And, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at first, um, but talking to my bosses at the time, who's now actually a caddy on the PGA Tour, he goes, you have to take this opportunity. It's too good to pass up. And so I said yes. And away we went. Uh, that would be the, you know, that was kind of it for me. I didn't know if it was going to be my kind of career at the time, but definitely, uh, it turned into a, an extremely full time job very quickly. And Paul, after you had stints on the bag with VJ, then Jerry Kelly and Sean O'Hare, Webb Simpson called you. And I read that five minutes into that conversation, you knew this is what you had been waiting for. Why did you know? Yeah, wow. Um, first of all, I'm not that smart, so it's not me for sure. Um, we'll, we'll call it something different than that. But, you know, one of the things that I learned working with Beach was that, you know, we, we were having a hard time. He was having a hard time closing golf tournaments. And this would be back in 2000, 2001 and early in 2002. And so we set out midway through 2001 to change his golf swing. DJ had a really shut face at the top of his swing. When he got nervous under pressure, the ball would go left. And so it took about a year for it to take place. And once it did, voila, we saw what happened. He won 17 times on tour in the next three years. And it was really cool to be a part of that, be a part of the, the golf swing change. It was, I think I had 11 days off in 01 at a 365 and 12 in 02. And Veej only took one day off total in those two years. And it was long. It was hard. It was sweaty. Um, but all the work paid off. And so as I went to my next job being Jerry, I saw that a lot of things I took into that job worked. Uh, Jerry and I had a lot of success together, President's Cup team together over in South Africa. Then I went into O'Hare, uh, a lot of success together, won a few times, again, a President's Cup team in San Fran. And so I was seeing that obviously when I put into play what DJ and I did, kind of the process-oriented approach, things were working well. And so in 2010, after Sean and I split up, I really wanted to work for a young guy. I wanted to work for a young guy that was a Christian as well because all my other jobs had lasted about three years. I was a brand new Christian at the time, and I just wanted a relationship that might last for, you know, 
seven years, eight years, ten years. Um, and it was something I had always dreamed about. So I had two really good offers at the time. One guy top five in the world, the other guy top 20 in the world. Um, really good offers for me to go work for him. And, uh, I kind of needed those jobs. Um, but it just, I was holding off just to see if somebody else called and, I was going to actually accept one of those jobs later that night and at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, I think, uh, Webb called, went to voicemail, I called him back, um, we talked, and sure enough, I took the job. And I remember getting done, and me and my now wife were sitting there, we were looking up his stats, he was 213th in the world, had just kept his card in the last term of the year, the year before, kind of looked at each other like, what did I just do? Uh, I just passed up two guaranteed jobs for a long time, and and chose this young kid who has obviously struggled so far in his career. Um, I just knew who he was as a person. That's all I knew. And so I took a chance. And I wrote down all these goals for that first year. I'll never forget. I wrote down my goal for us was $2 million, seven top tens, which both would have doubled his career at the time. It would have been more money than he made in his career, and it would be double the amount of top tens that he had had. At the end of the year, he made $9.3 million on the course. Um, he had 12 top tens. I think 23 top 25, finished second in scoring, second in the FedEx Cup, second in the player of the year um, voting. I don't know. For me, he became a great friend very, very quickly. Our personalities meshed. and He fell in love with that kind of process-oriented approach. And it was just, you know, he's still obviously a dear friend of mine now. But it was an incredible year that I'll never forget. And also that validation that this process-oriented approach that kind of EJ and I dug out of the dirt together. Uh, it's worked now for three straight players and it's worked well. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a special year and it was a special time. And I don't take any of the credit. I was led there, uh, by, you know, I would say by faith, um, definitely by someone smarter than me. Paul, just a couple of more before I let you go. And obviously all the talk around golf right now is about the live tour. I'm sure Webb was approached about going over there. Want to get your thoughts. Why would Webb not want to go over there, and where do you see this whole thing going? So I don't think anybody really knows. Um, obviously, we've all heard that you know they now have what two billion dollars more uh, set aside for the three years. So it looks like they have longevity for at least three years. Um, you know, I sit on the side that uh, you know I, I'm not a I'm an American through and through. Um, you know, 9-11 was 15 of the 19 terrorists being Saudi Arabian, Osama bin Laden, uh, Osama bin Laden being Saudi Arabian descent. So there's some things there for me um, that would be really difficult. But at the same time, these men that have accepted this, you know, offer to go play with Liv, it's generational money and can drastically change their lives. And so I don't judge anybody who went. Uh, it's not for Webb and for myself. Um, you know, just we feel like, you know, where the money's coming from, um, who's backing it. And, you know, that's to each his own. Everybody's allowed to have a feeling on this. I'm also a PGA Tour geek. Um, you know, I walked on my first PGA Tour course when I was five years old, which would be Sawgrass over at Sawgrass Country Club, and, you know, fell in love with it then. My favorite player was Mark Hayes because that's who won that year. And so I grew up, you know, with every PGA Tour book. They used to come out with that book every year, and, you know, I would, I would save it. I would study it. And so that was my dream, was to win PGA Tour events, was to eventually caddy and win PGA Tour events. You know, my little bio, 25 uh, PGA Tour wins as a caddy. 
And so that's where my allegiance is. Um, the tour has been extremely good uh, to me and the family. Uh, and I'm going to back it with everything that I have. And so, you know, I don't think Webb's going anywhere. Um, I'm going to go basically wherever Webb goes. But there are other guys that are in situations that, you know, financially it's almost impossible to turn down. You look at Peter Uline. Um, you look at um, Bland, you know, who went. And, you know, these are guys that, that need the money, uh, and there's no guarantee here. I, I think within the next probably couple of months, you're going to see maybe another 10 that are going to go only because you got guys that are struggling to keep their cars here, stars. Uh, the Ricky Fowlers of the world hasn't kept his car. This will be three straight years, you know, if he doesn't keep his car. But, you know, again, for him, he's a huge draw. There's a lot of money up front. And so I'm rooting for the tour. I hope the tour is successful. Um, I do like a lot of the format things they're doing on the Live Tour. I think the tour will adapt, adapt some of those things just to make it a little bit more interesting viewership. Um, I know there's a lot of conversations having maybe less tournaments, increasing the purses, that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And I don't envy Commissioner Monahan's, uh, you know, his position at all. Paul, you have a wonderful foundation that you started. Talk about the great things you're doing there. Man, I just love our foundation. It's called the Tatsori Family Foundation. You can check us out, TatsoriFamilyFoundation.org. But my wife and I started it about 12 years ago now. We've been fortunate enough to be able to raise over $2 million and give that all of that back uh, you know, to local community, to the national community, to my favorite program that we have. is called the All-Star Kids Clinic. We do uh, a clinic for 25 kids with special needs, one-on-one instruction with PGA Tour players, caddies, coaches, and the local first tee. Uh, we've been able to do over 50 of them now. Uh, we had plans for 23 throughout the country when COVID hit. Uh, we're back up to 10 this year and hopefully, you know, we'll get back to that 20 or 30 mark. Uh, we're going to expand it onto the LPGA tour as well. And these clinics are amazing. Um, I've had Jordan Spieth, Bubba Watson, Webb Simpson. Um, I'm missing a bunch of guys here that I haven't even called out yet for doing this stuff with us, but every single time a player does one with me, they cry. I get players and caddies coaches coming up to me with tears in their eyes like thank you for this we just forget so quickly how good this game has been to us and we get so stressed out with those three footers five footers a cut seven iron or a hook and eight iron whatever we're going to hit and you know these kids that they hit one good and they're happy uh, if they hit it bad that's no problem they put another one down and they go and they just get so much out of it and that's really what it's about is us being able to give back to something that the game has been so good to all of us for and so that's kind of my uh, little big one. They would do another uh, thing called um, uh, Christmas Tree Angel, where we go shopping for 100 families, kids and adults. We buy, we wrap, we deliver. Um, and anything we can do to give back. And, you know, the amazing thing I've seen all along, and, again, we're fortunate enough to have given back over $2 million in the last 12 years, is that it's a family. And the more we give, the more we get out of it. Uh, and so, um, you know, I just... You know, recommend anybody check us out, storyfamilyfoundation.org. Any way you can help us, either financially, volunteering, or just praying for us, we, we accept it all. Paul, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's on social media? Yeah, so uh, follow me on social media. I think Twitter's at Paul Tesori and Instagram's at Paul Tesori as well. You can see I'm extremely original uh, going through those two, but um, I don't do enough. Um, I'm trying to start doing a little bit more, just a little bit more updates. You know, Webb and I have been through a little bit of a slump these last two years. Um, it's been hard. Webb's been hurt, uh, been through some battles, uh, and we're just now starting to come out of that. So 
Um, as he starts to go through this next little stretch coming up, I'm just really looking forward to some good golf and maybe do a little bit more daily updates as far as Webb's golf is going and what we're working on. Paul, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show tonight. I, I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of the great things you've done in the game. I hope we get the privilege of having you back on the show again soon. Chris, I really appreciate Love geeking out on golf. And when we get this thing turned around, maybe after our next win, we'll jump back on again. There you go. Paul, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. You too, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. You bet. That's the great Paul Tesori. And like, like I say, folks, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. He's done so many other great things in the game. Look forward to catching up with him soon. And please go out and check out the TesoriFamilyFoundation.org. That's the site. Shopping for 100 families at Christmas, raising $2 million. How fantastic is that? Paul's a great guy. And like I say, look forward to having him back on the show again soon.